Welcome to episode 227 of Live Happy Now. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us. Today we're talking about habits. We've all got them, and we all wonder why we aren't better at changing them. Well, as it turns out, there's a science to making positive changes that stick, and today's guest is going to share that with us. Wendy Wood has spent 30 years researching human behavior and is the leading expert on habits and change. Her new book, Good Habits, Bad Habits, helps explain how we form habits, what habits really are, and why so much of what we believed about changing habits is actually wrong. Wendy, thank you so much for being on Live Happy Now. Oh, I appreciate you inviting me. Well, this is a topic that is relevant to everybody, and we can't always say that because habits, we've, we've all got them. And as I read your book, I realized how little we actually know about them. But you've been studying habits for a long time. Can you tell me what made you get into that? Yeah, I didn't start as a habit researcher. I started as someone who is interested in behavior change. And what became apparent early on is that we're all pretty good at making decisions and even following through for a short amount of time. I, everyone has had the experience of deciding they're going to lose weight and actually following through for a few weeks or a new exercise program, saving money. We put ourselves on a budget. And then over time, we just start doing what we were doing to begin with. <laughs> so, so that became the focus of my research, is what is different about that initial decision to change and then persisting, maintaining change over time, trying to understand the psychological processes involved in both. And they're different. And that's why we're good at the first part. The first part takes what psychologists call executive control. So we're making decisions. We're thinking through what's best for us. We're trying to do the right thing. The second part, which is the persistence part, we know a whole lot less about because we don't have what psychologists call conscious awareness of forming habits and persisting. We don't have the same access or knowledge of those processes as we do of the initial decision to change. And you bring up a really interesting statistic. You say that we spend about 43% of our day doing things basically unconsciously. Yes. So and that's pretty frightening when we think about we're spending half our day kind of doing just what we've always done in a day is not really thinking about it. Exactly. One of the challenges when I started this research is that people thought of habits just as brushing your teeth or putting your key in the ignition or on the dashboard of your car, little behaviors like that. And in our research, we followed people over time and found that actually, as you said, almost half of our behaviors every day are repeated in the same context, in the same location, at the same time of day, while we're thinking about something else. 
And we don't necessarily think about those as habits. We think, well, that's just my routine and that's what I do. Yeah, but if you're not making those decisions, then something is guiding your behavior. And that something is the memory trace that you've developed over time, that habit memory about what to do in this context that works for you. So you get in your car and you put your seatbelt on and you do just what you've always done. And it's kind of the same with an awful lot of our lives, much more than we realize. What my research showed is that anything can become a habit because habits refer to how you do something, not what you're doing. So is it easier to form a good habit or a bad habit? Because we have them both. We sure do. There is actually, from a habit perspective, there's no difference between those two. Both formed from repetition and reward. What makes something a good or a bad habit is whether it's consistent with your goals. And that changes over time, right? So that explains why we have bad habits. If You have a habit to go, say, to the office vending machine at lunch and get donuts. (laughs) I'm sure you don't have it, but I've had that in the past. And it's a good choice in the short run because you get lunch, you get full, you don't have to leave your desk, really, not for very long. You get back to work, it's efficient, fills you up, does the trick. So it was consistent with your goals at the time. What's not good is doing it every day because then you start overeating, you're eating the wrong stuff, it's not good for your health. Your doctor starts pestering you about it. Exactly. (laughs) Your coworkers look at you like donuts again. Um, Homer Simpson? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So over time, that turns into something that's not desirable because you're doing it too often. It's not just meeting your efficiency goal. Instead, it sort of becomes your go-to behavior. And everybody has these experiences, right? The things you do occasionally, once you start doing them more regularly, they become problems. And so that's where our bad habits come from. It's just the same origin as our good habits. It's just they're not working for our goals, our current goals. Well, is it easier to form a bad habit or to break it? Because the process seems, from your book, it seems like the process is pretty much the same. Well, forming habits depends, and we all can do this very effectively. And in fact, let me step back for a minute and say that the way most of us go about forming a habit or trying to form a habit is by making a decision and exerting willpower. We control ourselves, we exert self-denial, we inhibit our desires to eat too much, spend too much, keep surfing the net late at night. We control those and we think that that's a way of starting a habit. But really, the trick to a habit is you need to enjoy it. So habits, you learn habits from rewards. And if you're continually denying yourself, making yourself do things you don't like, Mm 
you're not going to easily form a habit. So is that why it's hard to do like eating right or, you know, you say, okay, my habit is going to be, I'm going to change the way I eat and I'm going to eat healthy all the time. But if you're eating food that you don't like, (laughs) you're not going to stay with it. Exactly. You have to figure out a way to make it more enjoyable for yourself. If you find some healthy food that you like, you're going to eat it more often. So you'll repeat the behavior more often. And in addition, that enjoyment releases dopamine in our brains, which is part of how we form habits. Dopamine connects information in our brains. It's one of the things it does. It's a neurotransmitter. And that's why enjoying something is so important for forming a habit. You might think, so how on earth am I going to learn to enjoy things I don't like? Well, (laughs) um, we all know how to do this. It's simpler than it seems. If you want to form a habit to go to the gym, you go with someone you like. So you're meeting someone there who you like to talk to, or you start to listen to podcasts like this one, and entertain yourself while you're doing it. You find ways to make it enjoyable. If it's still not fun, you need a different exercise. Maybe walking your dog. That's an excellent exercise. Maybe, and this is what I personally did, I decided that I wanted to start walking more. I spent a summer in France did a lot of walking when I was there. And I wanted to do that here in LA, but it's almost impossible because LA is a really (laughs) different landscape. (laughs) Yeah. So I found a way to take public transit and I sold my car. (laughs) This sounds extreme, but it worked. I sold my car and now I'm walking maybe three miles a day just to get to transit and get back again. It sometimes takes hard decision-making up front, but those decisions should not be focused on our willpower. Instead, they need to be focused on changing the context in which we live to make our environments more conducive to the behaviors that we want to perform. I'm glad you brought that up because I found it so interesting when you said that willpower has little to do with forming or breaking a habit. Because, you know, most of us that believe that's what it takes. It's like if I just had more willpower, I could muscle through this. So can you explain if it's not about willpower, then really what is it? Yeah, I kind of think that whole idea of willpower is left over from the Protestant work ethic and the Puritans who started this. (laughs) Just muscle through it. Come on. (laughs) Exactly. That there's value in self-denial. That's how Puritans thought we got to heaven was through self-denial. We are forming habits all the time from what we do repeatedly. When it makes us feel good, we get a reward. Then when we're in that same situation again, we know what to do. So you can think of habits as a kind of a mental shortcut for what to do in a certain situation in order to get a reward. 
It's what you've done in the past. It's your best bet. (laughs) And that's what habit memories are. They are not dependent on willpower. And in fact, willpower is not very reliable. I have come to think that's why so many of us are successful at starting to change but can't persist is because we think it is through willpower. And we think if we just were stronger people with more self-control, that we'd be able to muscle our way through it, white knuckle through anything. But we get tired, and that's not much fun. (laughs) So most of us don't stick with it. Instead, studying people who are effective, either effective at exercising regularly people who eat a healthy diet, people who are very productive at work and don't spend a lot of time surfing the web and procrastinating. (laughs) Instagramming. (laughs) (laughs) Those people have formed habits so that their behavior, their productive behavior, healthy behavior has become their default. They've just practiced it enough so they don't have to think about what to do. They just do it. And the way you practice something over and over again is you make it easy for yourself and you find things you like to do. It sounds so simple, but it's a very different way of thinking about behavior change than what we typically do, as you said. So we really have to put some thought in the beginning stage of how I'm going to make it easier for myself and how I'm going to support this habit. And you give some great tips for shaping our environment so that it's going to support habits that align with our goals. Could you talk for a minute about friction and stacking and and how this all works to create the right environment for success? Yeah. So I spent a week up at the Culinary Institute of America in Napa Valley. It was great fun. Lots of very ambitious, smart, young chefs there. How fun. The first thing they learn is something called mise en place. Mise en place is French for put in place. And that's how chefs cook. It's not, how, it's not how the beginning chefs start. They do what all of us do, which is let's jump in and throw in the <laughs> sugar and, and the salt. But they learn that they're going to be most successful if they put their efforts initially into organizing the kitchen environment so they have everything chopped, everything measured. They know that they have the equipment available, they have their whole environment structured to make the recipe easy to follow. And that's a great metaphor for behavior change, because if we can organize our environments to make the behaviors that we want easier and the ones that we don't want more difficult, then we'll find that we have habits that work for us. The recommendations that come from this are ones that we probably already know. We just don't give them much 
emphasis to our conscious minds, to our decision-making minds, they don't seem like they should have much power, but they really do. In experiments, we've shown that these things really matter. What would be an example of how you can set up your environment? Say it's going to be, we talked earlier about eating healthier. What are some of the things that people can do so they support this habit and they make it enjoyable? Yeah, so you remove food that you don't want to eat from your kitchen counters and you put it away. If it's easier for you, you just don't buy it in the first place. You find ways to cook vegetables or a place to buy vegetables where they taste good. We all know you can cook vegetables and they're horrible. (laughs) There are also ways to cook things that are healthy that really make them taste good. And so finding those and sticking with them will help you form those healthy habits. The same thing goes with joining a gym. Research has shown that people who travel three and a half miles to the gym go about five times a month. Whereas people who travel over five miles to the gym, they go only once a month. Oh, wow. That's a significant difference. So that mile and a half is the difference between having an exercise habit and not. And that's not something that logically makes much sense to us. Seems like if you want to go to the gym, you just go to the gym. But if it's easier for you to do it, you're much more likely to follow through. And that's a good example, I think, of the importance of making things easy. Yeah, and it has to be easy for a long time because one myth that you bust wide open, and I was really surprised to read this, we've always been told that if we do anything for 21 days, it becomes a habit. And it turns out that is not the case. Can you talk about that? Like how long it actually takes for different types of habits? Yeah, wouldn't it be lovely (laughs) (laughs) if we could form habits in 21 days? That came from a book on plastic surgery from best we can tell in the 1960s on how long it takes to get used to physical changes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And so somehow we turned that into this whole philosophy of forming habits? Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a doable number, right? Right. You could stick with something with self-control. Our willpower would probably last that long. So it fits the whole willpower theory. The thing is, it doesn't fit habit learning. So you learn habits just like you learn anything else. It takes longer to learn things that are complicated and have many steps, shorter to learn things that are simpler and have only one or two steps. So what that means is that if your habit is simple or you can make it simple, you're going to learn a strong habit faster. You're going to automate the behavior more quickly with fewer repetitions. But our best guess right now from research that was done by a colleague of mine is that about 66 days is the right number 
for repeating simple behaviors. In- and see, now everybody just groaned. But it's a simple one. <laughs> but there's good, but there's happy news there too, which is that it doesn't really matter if you skip a day or two days even. Your habit memory doesn't go away. Habit memories accumulate slowly over time as you repeat a behavior. And if you stop, the habit memory doesn't disappear. It's still there. So when you start up again, you're starting up almost at the same place where you left off. That's reassuring to know. Like for everyone that's ever dropped their gym membership. (laughs) That's really good news. (laughs) Exactly. This book is so enlightening. It's so different from what most of us have been believing for a long time. So I think people get a lot out of it. And what I really love too is your website has so many surveys and quizzes that can help people in their journey to create better habits. So as we let you go, what is it that you really hope people take away from this book and from your website? Well, a couple of things. And thank you for the kind words about the book. I thought it was time to bring some of the research on habit to the general public. Because as you say, science has progressed greatly in the past decade. And most of that knowledge has just not gotten out to the public. So this is a way of trying to disseminate some of the latest science in ways that people can use it. What I hope people get from the book is the importance of the environments around us. Your challenge in changing behavior is not yours alone. It's yours in the context, the living environments that we are in right now. And understanding how they help us and they hurt us is really important for behavior change. And one thing that is great about the book is that it really makes you realize that you can change your behavior. Even if you're saying, I've always been this way, or I've always done this, or I just can't seem to change this about myself. Once you really get into how this all works, it really makes developing good habits or changing bad habits very doable. I hope so. It is a way of taking back control over your behavior and actually achieving your goals in a way that doesn't require a lot of willpower and (laughs) self-blame. And I like it that it's really a book for life. Like this is not about doing something in six weeks and having your life miraculously changed. This is really about the long haul and creating a happier life through better habits. That's the idea. We all can. That's terrific. Well, Wendy, thank you again for coming on the show. We're going to come back in just a couple seconds, tell people how they can go to your website, take some surveys, buy the book, and learn more about the fascinating research that you've done. Oh, thank you so much. This has been fun. You have a wonderful day. You too. That was Wendy Wood, author of Good Habits, Bad Habits, The Science of Making Positive Changes That Stick. To learn more about Wendy's work, to take one of her surveys about habits, or to order a copy of her new book, please visit us at livehappynow.com and we'll give you links to help you find that information. We hope you're already a subscriber to Live Happy Now, but if you're not, you can find us on the Pandora Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. 
Just find us on your favorite platform and then hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. That is all we have time for this week. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. Thank you.